Would you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16? I got something to say to you that I think is what is the primary <clears throat> reason and lesson that is to be learned from the COVID thing and the experiences on planet Earth right now. And um, it's going to be two really familiar passages for you. But I want to talk about uh, the lessons, the lesson of Peter is what I'm calling this. I don't know what else to call it. It's the lesson of Peter, and it's so profound, and it's so stunning that it's this close together to watch Peter be affirmed and rebuked all in the same time. And there's something so deep in this for us, and I just want to break this open and hope that the Holy Spirit, those that will listen now and those that will listen online later, would be touched by this. So, Father, I pray, guide my words, guide this moment, help me stay in context with your, with your word, honoring you, honoring Peter, <laughs> honoring the process, but Lord, may we learn. May this go deep in us, in Jesus' name, amen. In verse 13, we have one of the most profound moments in the Gospels where Jesus comes to them in the region of Caesarea Philippi, two, two years and three months into the ministry of Jesus, two and a half. He's, he's up north in Judea. He's um, at the foothills of Caesarea Philippi. You don't know what that is, doesn't matter. This is the way to think about it. It's the Vegas of Judea. It's the Vegas of Judea, and it's up on a mountain. It had a long history of immorality, sexual immorality, idolatry. Down the cliff as you would come down from this mountain city was this open mouth cave that was thought of to be the gate of Hades. That was where, it was the gates of hell. It was where, it was the open region to the Netherlands where spirits would come in and out. And, uh, and so th that's where they are. And that's when Jesus chooses to engage them about this and to make the proclamation he's about to make. And it's profound. It's profound. So as he sits at the, here before this place, who do, who do people say that I am? Who, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who's the Son of Man? I, got, I need to be careful. I want to teach a bunch of stuff about this. But every time he says Son of Man, you need to know. He's talking about Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Who do people say that the one who Daniel saw is the man brought before the throne who gets all authority? Who is that? And, um, and he's alluding to himself. And it says, they replied, some say John the Baptist, and some are saying Elijah, risen from the dead. He's saying one place. Still others are going to say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's who the Son of Man is and who you are manifested. But what about you? He hones it in. What, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? The greatest question on planet Earth. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's glorious. It's the revelation. It's the answer to the question. It's, it's, it's a twofold answer. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the human king prophesied Messiah that would function under the anointing. You're a human that's been prophesied and anointed, and you're the son of the living God. You're actually God. That's what Peter's saying right there. Wherever his level of revelation was, that's what he's saying right there. This is the answer to who Jesus is, the most unique man on the planet. He is, a, he is fully human, without sin, the Messiah that was prophesied, and he is God. He's the offspring of God. Jesus is fairly impressed with this and says, the Greek is active here, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father 
who's in heaven. And I tell you this, that you are Peter, meaning little rock, and on this big rock, the rock of revelation, that's the rock, on this rock, what you just said about me, I will build my ecclesia, my community of people that exercise authority in a certain region. That's what an ecclesia is. And the gates of hell, or Hades, will not overcome or not withstand, will not keep you out. And so those are pretty powerful words. And he says it in front of what is thought of as the gates of Hades. I wondered if they looked up there when he said it. You know, the gates of Hades is not going to stop you. And it didn't mean they're going to come out and break into you. It meant you're going in. You're going up to Caesarea Philippi with the gospel. And demons won't keep you out. You're going to break in. And then he'll say, this is how it's going to happen. You're going to be able to do this because I'm going to give you keys. I'm going to give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, the dynamic rule of another realm. I'm going to give you the operating keys and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a, an amazing moment. And again, I want to teach you. I'm writing a book right now. And I've, it's that we're on a second or third chapter of talking about this passage, about the supremacy of Christ. But let me stay focused. Peter has this revelation. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a heaven revelation. He said, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus himself is like, yes, he uses his whole name. You know, Amy uses my whole name when she's mad at me. But Jesus is, I said to you, Simon Barjona, uh, and he's excited. This was from heaven. You're operating as an earthly man with a heavenly revelation about who I am. All the earth is going to have demonic darkness trying to keep them from this revelation. But this is it. This is the rock. This is the rock on what I'm going to build uh, my ecclesia, my church. Good moment. Verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and on the third day raised again. Not the first time he had told them. He tells them again right after this moment. I mean, they're going to kill me. Remember what I, I told you this part. They're going to kill me, and, and, and not, not fast. They're gonna, they're gonna, it's going to be a slow, humiliating process. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And the rock, the little rock, with the revelation, listen, this is what I want you to get. He's operating in revelation of Jesus' worthiness. This rock says, never, Lord, this shall never, ever happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, which really is the word adversary. You're, get behind me, adversarial one. You're, you're now, not only, you're not the rock, you're, the, you're, you're Satan. You're adversarial to the very purpose of God. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish that verse. Let me finish 20, 23. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. Ugh. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, the things of God, but merely human concerns, the things of man. Do you see that verse 23? Get behind me, Satan. And what makes him satanic? That he has in mind the things of man, not the things of God. And the things of man in that moment wasn't like, let's set up a statue to me. Peter, worship me. It wasn't like immorality. I'm going to go sleep with every woman. And That's not what the, the thing that's satanic 
is I don't want you to suffer. I am going to keep you from going through trials and tribulations and suffering. I'm going to do that. That's called satanic. Now, a few weeks ago, I warned you, and I'm always warning people, be careful how you counsel people that are in trial, in trouble. There's such a dearth of teaching in the body of Christ about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. Because the Lord, he disciplines those he loves. Your trials are actually training you for something. And the lack of understanding about this often tempts Christian counselors and comforters into being into a, in a satanic position. We're sometimes, our main goal is get them out of the trouble and out of the pain. That's not always God's main goal. His main goal is make them like his son. Did you ever hear what I just said? His main goal is not to stop the hurting. Man's main goal is that. And in the new heaven and earth, you'll never hurt again. God does want us not to hurt. I'm not saying, but I'm telling you this. He uses the trial and the pain to actually get us to the place where we become more like him and we're totally free. So, here's the lesson. What am I saying? This is the lesson that the body of Christ, I'm praying for a miracle that we'll learn the lesson of Peter. Listen, Peter's a man who has heavenly revelation about the worthiness of Jesus. But Peter is also a man who is completely adversarial to the ways of Jesus. That's possible. It's possible for you to know how worthy Jesus is and to be resisting his ways. This, this is, uh, let, the, let the reader understand. This, this, is a, this is a challenging word. And I'm looking at it right here. The rock, I'm going to build the greatest thing on planet earth that's going to change human history. On you, on that revelation. You're Satan, you're resisting me, because here's the deal. The new order that, that Yahweh is bringing on planet earth, listen, is of a resurrection order. The new order that he's bringing is an order that will never die again, that can never get sick again, that will never sin again. And that order is on the resurrection side of things. And you don't get to resurrection, you with me? Without passing through something else. There's no resurrection without a grave. And there's no grave without a cross. And this is the epicenter of discipleship according to Jesus. He's going to say it. He's going to say it right here. Whoever wants, guys, you don't have, the reason, the reason this is what he's saying to them. The reason Peter missed this, he knows I'm the Messiah and the Son of the living God. That's huge. But the reason he missed my ways is because he hasn't got the revelation yet that the Adam's race must deny themselves and lose their life. He actually took the revelation of my worthiness and wants to capitalize upon it and get greater and bigger. This is not where I'm going. I mean, it's going to be great and big. We're going to run the earth forever. <laughs> it's going to be good. But it's not right now. So listen, guys. The will of God for every one of you is to get you to living in a resurrection position, a resurrection manifestation. And it only comes with the death of you. I don't know what you're going to do with that. You've got to deal with it. 
Not, not I'm going to read a book on humility, I'm going to try to be a little humble, and then I'm going to get at it. Nobody gets humble reading a book on humility. People get humble by the loving dealings of a father that knows that pride and rebellion will kill us. It's worse than cancer. Pride and rebellion. And so he sets us up in classrooms. He allows Satan. He'll say to Peter, hey, the enemy's asked to, remember what he said, sift you. He wants to shake you like a, just really an abrasive process. He wants to sift you. And here's what I've done. Remember what he said? I've prayed for you. That when you return, you encourage That your faith would not fail. I prayed for you, your faith won't fail. You're going through this. Do you know why he needed to go through it and why Jesus didn't stop it? Because we don't need a non-resurrection Peter running the church. We need a resurrection Peter running the church. And you don't get resurrection life by hitting a conference here or there and reading a dynamic book. You get resurrection life when you pass through the cross. When you surrender and say, into your hands I commit my spirit. Oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? You go through the cross. Then you end up in a grave. and have, So, praise God. Earthly, this is God's design. Earthly tombs are the place where God builds heavenly wombs. This is where it happens. God takes the death place and he raises it up and gets maximum glory and we get maximum joy. Earthly tombs are to be our heavenly wombs. Here's the bummer part. And I love the body of Christ. We're meeting with the pastors, right? I'm, I'm pro everybody. And listen, when I say this statement, I want to say, I'm the worst offender in the city of all the pastors. Of every believer, I personally really believe that. I hate pain, weakness, and the cross. Some of you were waiting for lightning to strike me. God's not shocked by that. He's just ready for it. He just, hey, thank you for admitting it. And welcome. I'm a Samaholic. I'm a liveaholic. I'm a look goodaholic, feel goodaholic. If I'm more anointed and people like me, then then this thing. And the Lord says, there's one problem with that. I can't get to resurrection by you just being popular and feeling good all the time. Because you got some poison inside you. And I think he loves me. He's not mad at me. And he's heard me cry. You've prayed the prayers. Lord, whatever it takes. Do it to get me like your son. And we have no clue. And he's like, yeah, I'm on that one. I was on that one before you prayed it. Thank you for praying it. I know you don't totally mean it. And you have no clue what I'm going to do. <laughs> this is the glory of our God. This is the glory of our God. The greatest glory that ever manifested on planet Earth was the destruction of Yahweh. It was, the, it was, it was Yahweh in flesh, innocent, being slaughtered slowly. Beaten, 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 bleeding, 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 dead. And then an earthquake. And then a rumbling. And here comes Jesus, listen, like he had never been before. Does everybody understand that? He put on Adam's body, the body that you and I wear, and resisted sin, sickness, and Satan. And one, that body, that rag is going away. That's the old order of things. 
He had to let that rag go through the death, die for our sins, and then get up in a new... He's got a body right now. He's got a body in the heavenly realms. He's sitting in heaven, the only one that's got a body in the heavenly realms, in full glory, and he's not dying. Because he's got what you and I are going to get. He got it passing through a doorway called the cross. So Jesus will tell us to receive the redemption of the work of his cross. That's free. You don't work for it. But then he'll tell us, deny yourself and take up your cross. This is what needs to be. God has fashioned a unique cross for every one of you. Sometimes it's your marriage. Sometimes it's your children. Sometimes it's your finances. Sometimes it's your body. Sometimes it's the way people are treating you at work. I don't know what it is. But I'm telling you, it involves everything that his cross, it's going to involve rejection, pain, misunderstanding. And if you actually will stop doing this and trying to keep yourself from it and being satanic and keeping others from it, you'll, you'll lean into the process. Oh, it hurts. Then you set yourself up for resurrection. Listen, true faith, Romans 4, it says that Abram, he struggled with this. You read his bio, but it said he faced the fact that he was as good as dead and that his wife's womb was barren. Faced the facts. He leaned into them. I'm going to have to have a miracle. He had to get to 99 to do it. He had held the promise for 24 years. But once he received and leaned into the weakness, then he was set up for a miracle. And so will you. Listen, I promise you, your earthly tombs can be a heavenly womb for a resurrection something to come up out of your life. It's the way he works. And I wanted to say that COVID and election chaos and your trial is all about this. It's all about, and and, and here's, here's my main point, it's not enough just to know he's worthy. You must also know his ways. Peter knew he was worthy and rejected his ways. And so I think what's happening now in the body of Christ, and this is a so, I don't know if you can feel it in the room, there's a, it may be just me up here, but there's a bit of a sobriety around this issue. Um, we've not been taught what to do with our pain very well. I mean, most of it's how to put the Band-Aid on, how to put the antiseptic on and get rid of it. And I think it's there for more than that. I think it's there for more than that. I think it's to make a nest where something begins to birth that you couldn't do. When you come to the end of yourself, God can begin to do what he needs to do. And so... I don't think, by the way, anybody in here needs to go looking to try to make that happen to you. Life will do this to you. And this life you're in that's doing this to you, I promise you, it has a sovereign father running it. A sparrow does not fall to the ground apart from the will of God. That's big. Not one bird's dying except for, he knows the number of hairs in your head. Listen, he's very aware of your pain, and he not only wants to uh, take it away and placate it, he wants to produce from it. And um, I hope that we, those listening, the whole body of Christ learns the lesson of Peter. Because I think 
we've been okay to get our doctrine right and to feel good, and we've missed the ways of God. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would do a deep, deep work in us. May none of us settle for anything other than the resurrection life that you've determined for us. I pray, Father, for deeper revelation of who you are, who your son is, who the person of the Holy Spirit is in our life. But I pray, help us submit to, understand, and agree with your ways. We do not want to be part of the satanic company that's always trying to resist the cross in our life and other people's lives. Let us not, God, break the satanic stuff off, adversarial stuff off of us. We believe that you're a miracle-working God and that you're all wise. You could release in a moment pain off your son or your daughter. And you also can let it abide to train and get us to a tomb that becomes...